the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessings to you this Ascension Day. Like the apostles in Acts 1, for 40 days we have celebrated Easter, that our Lord Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. These things no longer have dominion over him or over us. And now he proves that not only do sin and death not have dominion over him, but he instead has dominion over them. He has dominion over all things. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says in Matthew 28. Look, he says to the disciples, he points them to Israel's holy scriptures, as he did in Luke's reading this, this evening. Look at the holy scriptures, see what they have said about me. He opens their mind to understanding the scriptures of the Old Testament. These scriptures have been speaking about me all along. They've been speaking about my incarnation. They've been speaking about my death, my resurrection, and my ascension as well. We see this in today's psalm. Oh, clap your hands together, all you peoples. Oh, cry aloud unto God with shouts of joy, for the Lord most high is to be feared. He is the great king over all the earth. He has gone up with a shout of triumph. O sing praises, O sing praises, for God is king over all the earth. Think upon these mighty acts and praise him with a song. He reigns over the nations. God sits on the holy throne. He is very highly exalted. Jesus is the king of glory. He is seated at the right hand of the Father to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And then, after speaking these things to his disciples... The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled these, these words. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. It says next. Our Lord Jesus has ascended into heaven and this is what we celebrate this day. It's at least an important and interesting detail about Jesus' life. But I know I've asked myself since becoming an Anglican, why is it one of the seven principal feasts in the Anglican tradition? You have Easter Day, of course. There's Pentecost, Trinity, All Saints Day, Christmas Day, Epiphany. What is Ascension Day doing on this, on this list of some of the key feasts, the key celebratory days in our calendar? I can th- certainly think of other events in Christ's life or moments in his teaching that seem important, seem interesting, that we should also celebrate. The Transfiguration, for example, which we do celebrate on a certain day, but isn't considered a principal feast. We have Good Shepherd Sunday, the Sermon on the Mount. It's such an impact upon Christian ethics and our our shared life together. But none of these are considered one of the most important feast days of the year. Neither are they included in the Nicene Creed that we recite every Sunday. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is because the creed isn't supposed to be an exhaustive checklist of Jesus' life and ministry. It highlights the central tenets of the Christian faith, and the ascension is one of them. But if, if I'm being honest, the ascension is one of those holy days that I only know to celebrate because the church tells me to celebrate the ascension. I was raised on a steady diet of Christmas and Easter movies, but I've never watched an ascension movie. 
And one of the greats, the great gifts of the, the Christian tradition is moving me beyond the, the limited cultural awareness of Christianity to the deeps, the, the depths of the faith. And, and the reason we celebrate it, and the thing I want to focus on today, is we celebrate the ascension because it is off the oft-forgotten linchpin of the gospel story. It is more than just an interesting detail. One of the fascinating observations to make about our readings today, we have this unique day where we're reading Acts and Luke. Luke-Acts, written by the same author, by Luke. And we're reading the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. And the end of Luke is uh, ending with the ascension. Acts begins with the ascension. And in these, this big story, this story that takes up more than a quarter of the New Testament, Luke's story of Luke and Luke-Acts of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ascension is the linchpin that holds two parts of the story together. It holds together the, the life of Christ and it also holds together the life of his followers. It's an ongoing story. At the beginning of Acts, there's this fascinating line where Luke says to his audience, in this first book, I have dealt, that is in Luke, in the first book, in that book I already wrote, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. It's a fascinating line because Jesus has ascended, but his work on earth hasn't ended. It's all that he began to do and teach. Luke is the beginning of this story and Acts continues that story and the ascension is the linchpin. The ascension, it's not some sputtering out of Eastertide, the final whimpers after a long season of celebration where we're just kind of putting a, a period at the end. But it's this emphatic moment that brings the gospel story into its fullness. Chrysostom, St. Chrysostom speaks of the ascension as a kind of linchpin that helps us understand the fullness of the gospel story. But he talks about it as one of three strands of a triple braided cord. So what I want to pose to us is that if we reflect briefly on three key moments in um, the Christian calendar and in the story of Christ, that these three key moments, Christmas, Easter, and the Ascension, when bound together, communicate the full power of the gospel. That Ascension, when forgotten, has uh, huge consequences upon our understanding of the gospel. These incredible wonders, as Chrysostom says, are in intertwined and cannot be ripped apart. So, to begin, Christmas. Christmas, um, understand best through um, talking about the incarnation. It's God becoming human. God coming to us, humbling himself. In uh, my seminary experience uh, several years ago, there was a, a phrase that was talked about a lot. And I know it's a phrase that's been talked a lot, a lot uh, used a lot in um, in the last 100 years or so or 50 years or so in the, in the American church for sure, is incarnational theology. This notion of God coming to us, of moving into our midst, moving into our neighborhood, and us being called to live incarnationally in the world, to um, live alongside other people, to be people present in the world as God is present to us. It's a beautiful image of God's love for us, of God's generosity towards us. But Christmas without the ascension is a story of God coming to us and leaving us as we are. It's celebrating the brokenness of humanity without calling us to something more. It's loving the tax collectors and sinners 
but letting them remain tax collectors and sinners. Christmas without the ascension doesn't have an end beyond God's presence with us. Christmas without the ascension is fracturing the great hymn of Philippians 2. It's only saying the first part of this famous hymn that we know well. Who Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it ends there, without the triumphant end, the end, the telos of the, the, the story. Of course, there's also this other strand, Easter. And Easter adds more to that hymn. It goes a little further. Therefore, God has exalted him, right? But it again doesn't go much further than that. He exalted him, but he doesn't make it to being the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christmas with the ascension is a grand story. Christmas with Easter and the ascension is an even grander story. But Easter without the ascension is God saving humanity from sin and death a story of true salvation. But without the, without the ascension, it's a story where we're not called to a transformed life. We are changed. We are not dead. Our, our, our life is, is given back to us. Sin hasn't conquered us. But the end of our life isn't to be united with God on high, isn't to be united with Christ in heaven. It's not an end of the new heavens and the new earth. This is a gospel that many Protestants know, one overflowing with the grace of God that leaves us as we are, just like Christmas without the ascension. So when brought together, we see that Christmas and Easter without the ascension is, is lacking deeply. But with the ascension, the gospel becomes a story and is a story of astounding power. The ascension is a linchpin that holds the whole story together, or better yet, it is it is a part of this three-branded, three-stranded cord. Paul in Ephesians, our reading today, expresses this incredibly beautifully, expresses the power of the ascension. He says and he prays that we may know what is the hope to which God has called us, to what Jesus had called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. But not only is there power in Christ being seated in the heavenly places, but remember, this is the bringing together, the, the, the joining together of the human and the divine. Not only is Christ, the person of Christ, bring together the human divine, but the ascension brings together all of humanity into the divine life of God forever. Paul goes on to say, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He has united us to Christ. We, the church, are his body. and We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. When Christ ascends, we are brought up with him. And, and we, we celebrate this every time we celebrate the Eucharist. We lift up our voices. We ascend 
with Christ to worship God with the communion of saints in heaven. This power is great, and N.T. Wright has uh, a really helpful reflection on the significance of this kind of power that we have in Christ through the ascension that I want to leave us with tonight. Far too many Christians today, and one suspects in Paul's day, are quite unaware that this power of the ascension is here and is available to us. They say, well, I don't seem to have much power as a Christian, or I can't see the power of Jesus doing very much in the world. And it simply shows that we need this prayer of Paul, of what Paul just prayed over us in Ephesians. Paul doesn't imagine that all Christians will automatically be able to recognize the power of God. It will take, as he says in verse 17, a fresh gift of wisdom, of coming to see things people don't normally see. And this in turn will come about through knowing Jesus and having what Paul calls the eyes of your inmost self open to God's light. That power, the power which raises Jesus and which will transform the whole world and flood it with his glory is in fact already available for us. This is the power that eventually opens the floodgates for Jesus to um, send the Holy Spirit to the church and send us out on mission. And many of the things which God's power achieves in us, such as putting secret sins to death and becoming people of prayer, remain hidden from the world and even sometimes from other Christians. King Jesus has as his hands and his feet his agents within the present world, the church. It is his body, the fullness of one who fills all in all. If only the church would realize this power and act accordingly. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, ascended into heaven, may our hearts and minds also there ascend, and with him continually dwell. Amen.